This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin tonight listening to the talents of a very fine actor portraying a very famous detective, Nero Wolfe. Sidney Greenstreet left home at the age of 18 to make his fortune as a Ceylon tea planter, but drought forced him out of the business. He began managing a brewery and, to escape boredom, took acting lessons. He toured Britain with Ben Greet's Shakespearean Company and, in 1905, made his way to New York City and a debut in Everyman. Throughout his stage career, his parts ranged from musical comedy to Shakespeare, and years of such versatile acting on two continents led to many offers to appear in films, although he refused until he was 61. But boy, did he work with some great people. In 1941, Greenstreet began working for Warner Brothers. His debut role was as Casper Gutman, the fat man, co-starring with Humphrey Bogart in The Maltese Falcon. The film also featured Peter Lorre as the twitchy Joel Cairo, a pairing that would prove durable. The two men appeared in some nine films together, including Casablanca in 1942. And now, Nero Wolfe and the episode, Dear Dead Lady. My boss is the smartest and the stubbornest, the fattest and the laziest, the cleverest and the craziest, the most extravagant detective in the world, Nero Wolfe. It's the adventure of the case of the Dear Dead Lady with that brilliant, eccentric private detective, orchid fancier, and gargantuan gourmet, Nero Wolfe, starring Sidney Greenstreet. just come downstairs, having tended to his precious orchids. He was, as usual, seated in the library, which served as the office. He had just dialed a phone number, and, with his eyes closed, was leaning back in his specially built chair, which was big enough for two, but not two of him. Delicacies. Mr. Halsbrecher, this is Nero Wolf. Oh, oh, yeah, Mr. Wolf. I was just about to ring you. Well, when... I have need of two pounds of duck liver. Ah. I do not, of course, refer to the commercialized Strasbourg pate. Well, I appreciate the order, Mr. Wolf, but. Uh... Next, my cook Fritz informs me that we require three fine fat geese. Look, Mr. Wolf, 
Just a little matter of an unpaid You bill. might add 12 cases of beer, a bushel of Vermont apples, green for stuffing, and a gallon of Marquisa Patrisa Roman oil. Mr. Wolf. In addition, I... Fritz has listed six dozen eggs, four braces of Sussex woodcock, and a few pounds of Westphalian ham. You have all that? Well, I, I can get it, Mr. Wolf, but my bookkeeper... Thanks very much, Mr. Hartsbracker. That will be all. Now, now then, Archie. Yes, boss? You seem to be worried. Oh, I am. This means naturally that I'm supposed to handle Haltzbrecker's delivery boy when and if he shows. I had thought of leaving a simple matter to you. And what about the simple matter of the money? Money? I, I hate to bring up a vulgar subject, but where is it coming from? Oh, of course. You're right, Archie. I should have said... Said that... what? Charge it. Boss, look, you don't realize, I know, but we're into that truffle broker for 500-odd bucks and change. All right, all right, then give him a check. Okay. Okay, I will give him a check. And I hope they'll let you keep the orchids in your cell. You're a wit, Archie. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I'm on the bank's mailing list. We got a notice this morning. You don't mean... Oh, but I do. Again? Yeah, you just can't take money out of an account, boss. Sometimes you gotta put some in. way to deal with the man I work for, and if I hadn't thrown him that scare, he wouldn't have been willing to listen when the door buzzer rang, and a prosperous-looking young guy in the kind of clothes that don't grow on trees came in and stood in front of the boss's chair, fiddling with the brim of his pork pie. My name is Oliphant, Mr. Wolf. Oliphant? Uh, yes, sir, Oliphant. I am the spiritual leader and guiding head of a small religious group known as the Seekers of the Inner Power. Ah, I see. Also a man addicted to marrying neither wisely nor well, but often. You read the papers. I do. Uh, Mr. Wolf, I am as aware of my sin-ridden past as anyone else is. The point is that I'm no longer that kind of man. Even a person such as I can see the light in time. Good. Might I ask where you've come to see me, Mr. Oliphant? I need your help, Mr. Wolf. Concerning? A certain young lady with whom I'm deeply in love. Oh, I beg you not to confuse the present emotion with any of my earlier escapades. What I feel for Miss Dana is the pure and righteous glow of an upright seeker of the inner power. I promise to look on you as thoroughly redeemed, Mr. Oliver. Proceed. Oh, by the way, do I recognize the name of your young lady as a Park Avenue socialite, an amateur swimming champion? Yes, but she's sweet, wonderful, beautiful. I've asked her to marry me, and she's given me some hope. In time, I fully expect to make her my wife. Well, then where's the problem? The problem is the presence of another man in her life. I'm sorry, sir. I'm a detective, not a matchmaker. This isn't a question of making a match, Mr. Wolf. I have much too much respect for your talents to think of offering you such an assignment. Exactly. What do you want me to do? I want you to save Ilse Dana's life. Her life? Mr. Wolf, this other man I spoke of is insanely jealous. Not only of Ilse's present, but of her past as well. He has threatened to kill her. I don't doubt your earnestness in this matter, Mr. Oliphant, but how would you know? I was listening on an extension in Miss Dana's apartment a few days ago when Hunter called. Hunter? Yes, sir. Jack Hunter. Known as Jack the Babe Hunter. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I know that canvas back. Huh? Sure. He's a coffee and cake prelim waltz. Oh, he's not. He's a boxer. Archie's being fancy. Overlook it, Mr. Oliphant. Is Hunter in love with this lady of yours? I doubt it. He's a man of complete moral and spiritual corruption, I believe. Naturally, you would. But what are the facts? In my opinion, he's after her for her money. She has money? To burn. And you, Mr. Oliphant? Me? 
Can you also afford to burn? How much do you want? The answer to that would be astronomical. However, if you leave a check for, say, $7,000, I shall look into your matter the very moment I have completed a little research into the nutrition of the Polynesian orchid. Elephant's check gave our bank account a slight blood transfusion. I think it was the boss's plan to spend a week or two in the plant room before he got busy on the case. And he'd have done it, too, if that phone call hadn't come in about a little after nine, just after Wolf had polished off one of Fritz's dinners and was settling back with a stein of beer in his hand. Don't disturb yourself, Archie. I'll get it. Now, well, look out. You don't strain yourself, boss. You got to straighten out an elbow to reach that receiver. You have an unfortunate flair for mixing humor with impertinence, my friend. Hello, Nero Wolf speaking. This is Elsa Dana, Mr. Wolf. How do you do, Miss Dana? We were discussing you only this morning. So I've heard. Through whom? Ted Oliphant. I see. The young man seemed to be quite worried about you. The young man should tend to his own affairs. Said you were in some danger. I know what he said. And not one word of it was true. Oh? Uh, I'd like to talk to you, Mr. Wolf. I'm sure it'll be an immense pleasure. Where do you live? I have an apartment at uh, 22 Blanton Street. Could you be here soon? I could be there in a quarter of an hour, Miss Dana. By proxy, of course. The proxy, naturally, was yours truly. Ten minutes later, at twenty past nine, I walked up to Ilsa Dana's door with a nosy elevator boy giving me the double O. The reason for his interest was that her door was open and the room inside was empty except for a little twisted pile of pale pink satin which at close range turned out to be a woman. Which woman turned out to be Ilsa Dana? And Ilsa Dana was dead. She used to be pretty. She isn't now. Yeah, strangulation doesn't help any girl's look, son. Make anything of it? Well, the position of her body and the bloodstains on her pointed fingernails tells me that she put up a tough struggle before somebody succeeded in smothering with a pillow from the sofa over there. Yeah, that figures... When did it happen, I wonder? Yeah, the last 15 minutes, I'd guess. Say, who's been up in the elevator this evening? Nobody for her. Well, somebody came up. Well, who says not? They could have used the stairs, you know. Yeah. How well do you know Miss Dana? I know exactly zero about Miss Dana. How could you write her up and down every day and know nothing about her? It's a rule of the house to keep your mouth shut. The rule also goes when being questioned by a cop. A cop? Who's a cop? Oh, I guess you're a cello player from the Philharmonic. Look, I happen to work for a guy named Nero Wolf. Oh. Heard of him? Maybe. Well, if your memory comes alive, son, I might see my way clear to uh, spend a few dollars with you. Understand? I'll keep you in mind. Going down, mister? I spent time trying to get sense out of the superintendent and a set of chambermaids, but they were as quiet as a ballpark on Christmas Eve. Then I called the cops and told them about Oliphant and Hunter. By the time I got home, the house was dark and Nero Wolf was sleeping. Next morning, I gave him the details while he drank three bottles of beer. When I finished, he sat for a long time and then started another bottle. The prize fighter. What about the prize fighter, Archie? Hunter? Well, I, I phoned the hotel he lives in before you got up. And? They told me he wasn't in. 
Hmm. You know, I begin to think that Mr. Oliphant brought us a more absorbing case than he suspected. You know, I'm glad you like it. I don't like it. I don't like work of any variety. But this thing has its points. Well, what do we do next? Next, we investigate my client. What? Merely because the reformed playboy employs a detective doesn't exempt him from suspicion, Archie. Oh, now who's that? I'm afraid we have no choice but to open the door and see. My name is Young. Basto Young. It's nice meeting you, Mr. Young. What do you want? I want to see Nero Wolf. About? Uh, about a certain young lady with whom I am deeply in love. What? Will you repeat that? I want to see Mr. Wolf about a certain young lady with whom I am deeply in love. Mm-hmm. Her name, please? Ilsa Dana. Is it possible that you entertain plans of making her your wife? Why, Yes, but uh, there's a problem involved. Another man? Uh, yes. Well, and... do come in. Do come in. I think we've been waiting for you. Oh, Mr. Wolf. Here's another one. Ah, oh, Mr. Wolf. You've come to me about Miss Ilsa Dana, sir? I have come to you more specifically about a man who has threatened her life. Hmm. How unusual. He's the treacherous kind. Mild-mannered, you know. As we say in my profession, he underplays it. Your profession, then, is the stage. It is, sir. Go on, you interest me deeply. I was present recently when he told her that he would certainly kill her unless she mended her sinful ways. Sinful? No one denies that Ilsa has had, uh, shall we say, a checkered career. But the man's attitude is totally fanatical. What's his particular brand of fanaticism, Mr. Young? Theodore Oliphant is a religious maniac. Well, what do you know? He's come to give Theodore a bad report card. I don't understand. I, I've come to ask Mr. Wolfe to prevent his murdering Miss Dana. Am I allowed a direct question, sir? Why, of course. Where were you between 9 and 9.20 p.m. last night? 9 and 9.20? Why do you ask? You said I was permitted a direct question. Oh, I was walking in the uh, park, as I remember. Do you make a habit of walking in the park? I have lately. I'm preparing for an important role in the forthcoming production. What's so important about last night? From your point of view, a great deal, sir. What do you mean? Last night, Miss Ilsa Dana was murdered. What? Mr. Goodwin here discovered the body. No. I'm afraid I must insist, Mr. Young... Oh, why, why are you looking at me like that? Uh, are you accusing me of a... I have a, accused you of nothing, my dear sir. Well, now, look, you're making a mistake. Oliphant killed her. You may be sure of that. I have your word. I know him. He was trying to reform her. I wanted to make her a devout follower of his cult, the Seekers of Power. I heard him tell her to her face that if she refused redemption... He would see to it that she didn't live on in her wickedness. You could produce other witnesses? Do you know, in your own smug way, you're as detestable a character as I have ever had. All right, all right. Let's everybody take five. Yeah? Nero Wolf? He's busy. This is Archie Goodwin. You'll do, Goodwin. This is Jack the Babe Hunter. Oh? Uh, how are you? Great. Except the cops seem to want to talk to me about some murder fandango because, as I get it, you named my name. You got it wrong. I doubt it, and I'm coming over there to set you straight. (laughs) 
Why'd you ring me in on this mess, Wolf? You knew the girl pretty well. Me and how many more? Besides, what time was she murdered? Last night between 9 and 9.20. I see. So if you would inform the police where you were at the time, that should be that. Yeah. By the way, Mr. Hunter, where were you at the time? I don't see your badge, Wolf. I was only wondering. I haven't been near the Dana woman for over a month. But if you're really interested, I'll give you the name of the killer. Please do not keep us in suspense, Mr. Hunter. A couple of years back, Ilsa financed a guy in a big and lousy Shakespearean play that closed like a clam and nothing flat. Go on. It was money down the drain. The guy's got nerve. He was in love with her, and he figured she'd do anything for him. So he comes back to her to finance him again. This time in Hamlet, no less. I see. I don't have to tell you what a flop that would be. You needn't tell me the actor's name either. You know? Mr. Barstow Young just left here. Yeah? Well, he's your man, Wolf. He got so sore when she told him she wouldn't toss any more moolah into his broken-down career, he went off his rocker and tore it down. Your reason for thinking so? I met him on the street one day, and he started beefing to me with blood in his eyes. So I could do not to punch him. The results might have been less fatal if you'd followed your instincts, sir. I couldn't. Guy's built like a broomstick. He's weak as a cat. Hit him once, he'd crack like dry plaster. I see. Hmm. Hmm. What's on your mind? This man you're accusing of Miss Dana's murder, Mr. Hunter, he was very much in love with her. She was thinking about marrying him, he said. He said? Yes, he did. I heard him, too. He was talking to a skullcap. Ilsa wasn't going to marry anybody. No? No, she couldn't. Why couldn't she? Well, but she just couldn't, that's all. So long. Well, now we got a perfect circle with everybody pointing at everybody else and nobody able to prove a thing. What Hunter says isn't impossible, Archie. You think Young did it? I don't think at all yet. But if there's anything more dangerous than a woman scorned, it's an actor scorned. We have another visitor. Yeah, who are you expecting? At this point, anybody. Hi. Oh, you. Yeah, I told you you might hear from me. Come on in. Who's this? A uh, fellow runs the elevator at 22 Blanton Street. What do you got for me, kid? Postcard. Postcard? Yeah, the cops missed it, but I spotted the edge stuck under a rug. Nice of you to have delivered it. Maybe he was just being curious. Curious? It's not every elevator boy who has a chance to see Nero Wolf in the flesh. Oh, him? (laughs) Come off it, High Pockets. I'm here because you mentioned something about spending a few bucks. Oh. I wouldn't cross the street to see the best gumshoe that ever breathed. Look, gumshoes don't breathe, and how would you like a sock? pay him and let him go. Yeah, pay me and let me go. Sure, Mr. Wolf. Here you are. Thanks. Don't mention it. Anytime, pal. Anytime. How do you like that fresh little punk? Archie, the lad has done us nobly. Yeah? A typewritten card addressed to Miss Ilsa Dana. What's it say? Rather peculiar message. Have you prayed tonight? It's signed with a single letter O. Have you prayed tonight? Yes. Signed O? Exactly. Weird, isn't it? Well, what's weird about it? What could be plainer? Have you prayed tonight? Now, I ask you, who is the man in this deal who's interested in praying? All of us, I hope, are God-fearing. All right, all right. But I ask you again, what does O stand for? 
It could stand for O'Brien, Obituary, Omaha. What about Oliphant? Oliphant, too. Look, what, what's with this indifference? The case is cracking and you slough it off. You remember what Young said? Oliphant threatened to kill her because she wouldn't join that cockeyed movement of his. Don't exhaust yourself, Archie. We have a hard night ahead. Yes, but I don't understand. But I don't mean to stifle your imagination, my friend. But if you'd reserve your deductions for a little while, you could lend me some much-needed assistance. What do you want? I want you to become a burglar. A burglar? I want you to hurry over to the dead woman's apartment on Branton Street and ransack it. For what? How do I know? We need help. Anything to help us. Go through the place with a fine tooth comb. I tore the late Miss Dana's apartment to shreds, but I saw nothing. Then, just as I was about to give it up as a bum job, I noticed a little writing desk in the living room. Pride loosed the lock and spotted something among a pile of papers that belonged to no well-to-do flat. It was a pawn ticket. Lot 8N046. And the address was a pawn shop around the corner on 6th Avenue. It wasn't more than 90 seconds later that I walked into the joint and tossed the ticket across the counter. Oh, oh yeah, this, uh, want to redeem it. And fast, up, huh, Pops? Yeah, it's nothing that's worth much, mister. No? No. Uh, oh, what is it? This? Small steel filing box. Oh. Anything in it? I don't know. Come to me locked, never been able to get it open. We got it open, Wolf and I. Smashed the front end with a poker. There were some odds and ends inside. Old earrings, some thumbtacks, a cigarette lighter. Just trash. Then the boss stuck his fingers in and pulled out a plum. This is it. What do you mean, this is it? You fail to recognize this classic document? Huh? Marriage license, Archie. A marriage license. Yeah, well, whose marriage license? Wording is self-explanatory. Listen. This is to certify, etc., etc., thus licensing on this third day of May, 1946, the marriage of Miss Ilsa Dana to Mr. Johan Jaeger. Johan Jaeger? Exactly. Well, who in the world is Johan Jaeger? We'll soon see. I don't get it. I can understand. It's a befuddling little puzzle. It would be very easy for one to make a fatal mistake here. But, of course, you won't. I won't. Three hours later, I'd herded all the suspects into the office, and he sat in his chair and glared at them. Oliphant, Young, and Hunter. It was tense and tight, and the boss let it stay that way, saying not a word to anybody while he calmly sipped his beer. It was Oliphant who cracked first. I didn't kill Ilsa. I couldn't have. Jealousy is a very compelling motive, Mr. Oliphant. And you came to me, remember, complaining that there was another man in Ilsa Dana's life? Whatever I complained about, and, and jealous as I was, I didn't kill her as the sacred power is my holy judge. Being unacquainted with your sacred power, I'd have to ask you for a better authority. Sacred power? Oh, it simply wouldn't have been possible for me to have done it. Why not? Yeah, why not? Because I... I was at Mickey's Night Owl Club last night from 7 until 4 a.m., Contemplating the sacred power, no doubt. That can be proved, Mr. Oliphant? Well, let me call now. Let the head waiter tell you. Hmm. Will you take your embarrassment as an indication that you're telling the truth? Hey, wait a minute. You, you can't let him off like that. Don't be bothersome, Archie. Yeah, but we got that card he wrote. The one about have, have you prayed tonight, signed with his initial. He didn't write that card, Archie. Now, look. And the O is not his initial, is it, Mr. Barstow Young? 
Uh, I'm afraid I, I don't understand. On the contrary, I'm afraid you do. But for the record, I'll explain. Oh, Archie. Yes, boss? Hand Mr. Young that large red volume off the shelf behind Mr. Hunter's head. This one? That one, thank you. Now then, Mr. Young, you will favor me by opening the volume to page 1133. But why? Open it, sir. Good. You will now count six lines down from the top and read what you see. Have you prayed tonight? Thank you, Mr. Young. What the devil is going on? Mr. Young has just given us a reading from a tragedy. The line, have you paid tonight, is spoken by the hero to the heroine just before he murders her. The name of the heroine is Desdemona. And the hero, as I'm sure you all know, is Othello. Othello? Yeah, the O was not Oliphant, Archie. Othello, I think, was a Shakespearean play which Miss Dana financed for our Mr. Young. And knowing she would recognize the quotation as well as the threat behind it, he sent it to her to warn her that he meant to murder her. You won't have the unmitigated gall to deny that, will you, Mr. Young? No. No, I don't deny it. Do I call the police? But I didn't kill her. The fact that I sent the car doesn't mean I killed her. Well, it'll do for my money. But not for mine, Archie. What? Mr. Young couldn't have killed Miss Dana. Why not? Because he lacks the strength to strangle such a healthy young woman, a champion athlete. Wide awake and full of fight. He's rather a frail person, as we know. And smothering Miss Dana with that pillow was no easy task. She struggled. Therefore, she clawed the wrists of the murderer. I'm sure that if you examine Mr. Young's wrists, you will find no scratches or scars. Here, let me see that. Go ahead. Well, Archie? Yeah, you're right. Nothing. I was sure there wouldn't be. The person who actually killed Miss Dana was a powerful physical specimen. Yeah? Yes, Mr. Hunter. In all probability, a professional athlete. A muscular man in good condition. You pointing at me? Seems quite likely, doesn't it? You're out of your head. Am I? Yeah. Yes, Adina. Var ihr Frau? Nicht wahr? Jawohl. I... I mean... You said yeah, Mr. Hunter. And you meant yeah, yes. I asked you in German if Elsa Dana was your wife, and you in the heat of emotion answered me yes in your mother tongue. Look, what's going on here? Allow me to present Mr. Johann Jaeger, Archie. Him? I've known it since we first saw that marriage license. You see, Jack Hunter is the English translation of our friend's real name back in Germany. Where he comes from, Mr. Johann Jaeger. Oh, what do you know? So you proved nothing. Yeah, I was married to Ilsa. That's why I said she couldn't marry anybody else. But I didn't kill her. She was my wife. I loved her. Olivan told us you were insanely jealous of her. What if he did? You know better. Do we? Sure you do. You also told yourself over the phone that every word Oliphant said was a lie. Interesting. What is? How you could possibly know what Ilsa Dana told me over the phone. I haven't mentioned it to you or anybody else. Oh, well, well, you see it. I see most clearly, Mr. Yeager, that you must have been in the apartment with her listening on the extension phone, or you couldn't possibly have that information. And it was only a few minutes after that telephone call that Ilsa Dana was smothered to death. And I see it's about time I said goodnight. Wait a minute, Jaeger. Wait a minute. Good work, Archie. I advise you to sit still, Mr. Johan Jaeger Hunter. I was right. I told you he threatened to kill her. But why? I've only guessed at the story. Reconstructed it, so to say. 
that I think you and Mr. Young are to be congratulated. On what, sir? On not having won your fair lady. You've always thought of her as a sweet, demure society girl. But actually, she was a vicious person, as bad as the man who killed her, if not worse. She tortured him cruelly for four long years. How can you say that about her? How can you doubt it, Mr. Oliphant? There must have been a great many men in her life. We know at least two, definitely, you and Mr. Young. But she was in love with me. She was in love with me. I'm sorry to shatter your illusions, but she was not in love with either of you. She was using you for her purpose. What was her purpose? Demanding the man she married. That was her preoccupation day and night. She delighted in tyrannizing over him. As one might in breaking a bull or taming a wild mustang. Do I come near the truth, Hunter? Yes. Until I couldn't stand it any longer. May I ask then why you married her? Why? Because I couldn't help myself. I crawled for her. I married her on the terms that nobody should ever know I was her husband. She was too good for me, she told me. That to my face, over and over. That we belonged to different worlds. But I was crazy about her, so I took it. What I've taken you wouldn't believe. Oh, I'm sure I would, Mr. Hunt. I'm a very understanding man. The question is, will a jury believe you? That we must begin to learn immediately. Archie. Yes, sir? Phone for Inspector Kramer. You have been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight's transcribed story by Peter Berry was based on the famous characters created by Rex Stout. This is an Edwin Fadiman program produced and directed by J. Donald Wilson. In the cast were Herb Ellis as Archie Goodwin and Lee Millar, Marna Keneally, Larry Dobkin, Barney Phillips, and Jerry Hosner. Next week at this same time, Nero Wolfe and Archie will bring you The Case of the Headless Hunter. Don Stanley speaking. <laughs> Stay tuned for My Friend Irma, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for My Friend Irma and a program that was first aired in 1948. Jane! Jane! What is it, Irma? Oh, Jane, why do people think I ought to be a novelist? A novelist? Well, I don't know, honey. What makes you say that? Well, every time I talk to them, they say, Irma Peterson, you're one for the books. <laughs> well, that's what you can expect when you listen to my friend Irma. Friendship, friendship, just a perfect friendship when other friendships have been forgotten. Brothers Company, makers of Swan, the soap with the exclusive super-creamed blend, presents... Our friend Swan. 
with my friend, Irma. Starring Mary Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane. The other day, I was talking to an eminent psychologist, and he was telling me about a thesis he was writing entitled, The Human Mind and Where It's Going. Then he met my roommate, Irma Peterson... And he changed the title to The Human Mind and Where It Got Lost. <laughs> well, Irma affects different people, strangely, but me, Jane Stacy, I love her. In fact, I can't wait for the day to be over and the door to open and have Irma Peterson come into the room saying, Oh, Jane, Jane, I'm so disgusted with everything. I hate my job and the way my boss, Mr. Clyde, treats me. Why, honey? What happened today? Oh, it's all his fault. He yells and he gets me so confused. You? Confused? <laughs> yes, he asked me to put some ice water in the pitcher on his desk, and then he asked me to fill his fountain pen with ink. think I got mixed up. <laughs> what happened, honey? He was blue all day. <laughs> Well, honey, don't bring your work and your troubles home with you. Just relax. Here, here's part of the paper. Here's the comics. I don't feel like the comics, Jane. Haven't you got something light to read? Irma, <laughs> well, you know, really, you have lots to be thankful for. No, Jane, the future holds nothing for me. I can look in my mind and see there's nothing there. <laughs> say, Irma, listen to the story in the newspaper. What's it say, Jane? It says... Eccentric farmer leaves $50,000 to unknown niece. Henry Peterson, a farmer in Minnesota, was found dead. At his bedside was a note leaving his estate appraised at $50,000 to a niece named Irma. Investigators are seeking the whereabouts of the heiress. Irma, does that sound like one of your relatives? Gee, I don't know, Jane. Uh, None of my uncles was eccentric. (laughs) Of course, there was my Uncle Peter. He was kicked in the head by a mule, but he wasn't eccentric because he didn't shoot the mule. <laughs> he bought it bedroom slippers. Well, but Irma, uh, honey, did, did you ever have an uncle named Henry? Henry, who was a farmer? I think so. Uh, he raised corn, but he got in trouble over distribution. Distribution? Yes, he wouldn't sell it by the bushel, just by the bottle. <laughs> Sounds like a relative of yours. You know, Irma, I've got a funny hunch that you're liable to be the heiress. I'll get it, honey. Hello. Who? Mr. Silk of the law firm of Lerner, Daroff, and Matt? Yes. You want to talk to Miss Peterson? Oh, you're investigating all Irma Petersons. Uh, yes, yes, she's my roommate. You'd like to come out and interview her in regards to the estate of the late Henry Peterson? Yes, I I just read about it. You come right out. Uh, Tell him to take a cab, Jane. I'll pay for it. Uh, Yes. Yes, it's 8224 West 73rd Street, apartment 3B. We'll be waiting for you. Bye. Oh, Irma. Irma, I've got a terrible feeling that you're going to get $50,000. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you, I can just cry. Don't cry, Jane. Because when you cry, I cry. But honey, I'm so happy, I have to cry. 
well, let's both cry, Jane. Because now we can afford all the Kleenex in the world. <laughs> Come in. Uh, it's only me, Professor Kropotkin. <laughs> Girl, what's the matter? You're crying. Professor, something terrible has happened. My poor Irma, what is it? I just inherited $50,000. Oh, that's... What? That's right. Her Uncle Henry died. $50,000? Congratulations, Miss Peterson. Miss Peterson? You always call me Irma. Naturally. Yesterday you were a poor working girl everybody felt sorry for. But today you're a millionaire. But, Professor, money won't change me. I'm what I am, and nothing can be done about it. (laughs) I mean... Irma, my darling little pigeon, you mean now that you're rich, you'll still talk to a poor man like Krukowski? Why not? The rich and poor can live together. After all, the Rockefellers talk to the Joneses. Irma, that's only because the Rockefellers own the phone company, and every time the Joneses talk, the Rockefellers get the nickel. Let's face reality, Irma, darling. You are lucky and you have our blessings. Of course, we're not sure that Irma's getting the money, Professor, but she seems to fit the general description of the family. Yeah, and a Mr. Silk from the lawyer's office is coming over to check on me. My, my, my little Irma, rich girl. Over the life of luxury you'll lead. With money like that, you'll have a Parisian chateau. Oh, no, I look ridiculous in those French hats. Hello, girls. Hello, Professor. Hello, Mrs. O'Reilly. Girls, could I trouble you for a little brown shoe polish? I left my eyelashes on the windowsill and the sun bleached one of them. (laughs) Oh, sure, Miss O'Reilly. Tell me, why is everyone looking so happy? I I just inherited $50,000. Irma, you've been in the sun too long, too. (laughs) No, it's true, Mrs. O'Reilly. We have an heiress in our midst. Glory be. Mm-hmm. Well, Irma, now that you're such a lady, I suppose you'd be expecting me to improve your quarters. What do you mean improve? Let me tell you, Mrs. O'Reilly, you would have to have this building painted, plastered, and completely renovated before you could get it condemned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hush with you. Just because your room's a mess? Well, maybe if you paid your rent, it wouldn't be. Don't worry, you'll get your rent. I'm raising the money. I'm charging visitors ten cents to look at my room. (laughs) Now you don't have to go to Europe to see the ruins of Pompeii. (laughs) Hush up now. If there's anybody's room I'll fix, it's Irma's. That is, if Irma will still prefer our humble company. Oh, of course I will. Uh, My money isn't going to change me. I'm a poor, simple girl. Fifty thousand dollars by her is poor. Hmm? Well, all right, I may not be poor, but I'm as simple as I always was. <laughs> Gosh, I can't mingle with a rich... I'm not the kind of a person who likes to ride on foxes and go out with hounds. <laughs> oh, Irma, I know nothing will ever change you, honey. I'll always remember the sweet little girl who put my best evening gown in the stove when I asked her to baste the ham. <laughs> Gee, Jane, we've had such wonderful times together. Mm. Yeah, I remember the time we went to the zoo and you offered to pay for an operation on the camel because you thought it was a horse with a crooked spine. (laughs) Oh, yes. 
Mine has been a rich, full life. Well, now that I see that I'm still the same sweet, charming girl as ever, I have news, too. You're all invited down to my place this evening for a little birthday party. Oh, it's my birthday. Oh, congratulations, Mrs. O'Reilly. I'd love to come. How old are you? <laughs> About 41. <laughs> 41? That's right. Mrs. O'Reilly is 41. But that's just around one ankle. <laughs> oh, hush with you, Professor. Well, I'll be seeing you all later. Come along, Professor. I'd better go along with her and make sure she doesn't bake a cake, or we'll all be dead by dawn. <laughs> oh, Jane, isn't this a wonderful day? I can't wait to tell Al about my inheritance. Uh, how do you think he'll take it, Jane? When Al finds out that you've inherited $50,000, you won't be able to pry him loose with a blowtorch. Oh, maybe that's Al now. Come in! How do you do? Uh, my name is William Silk. I'm the investigator. Which one of you is Miss Peterson? I am. Uh, Miss Peterson, did you by any chance have an Uncle Henry? Henry? Yes. You know, your Uncle Henry, the one we were reading about? Oh, yes. He was married to one of my aunts. Mm. Ah. <laughs> have you heard from your Uncle Henry recently? No, but I saw him about eight years ago, and we spoke for about an hour, but I couldn't understand him. Why not? He'd fallen down the well. <laughs> Well, Miss Peterson, this is a preliminary investigation. It's narrowed down to three people, you and two other young ladies from Minnesota. I must say that since talking to you, you sound like the most logical heiress of the deceased Henry Peterson. Come in. Oh, hello, Al, honey. Hi, you chicken. Hello, Jane. Hello, Al. Well, Miss Peterson, there's nothing more to be done at this time. You'll hear from us. Good luck to you. Uh, I'd like to ask you a few more questions, Mr. Silk. I'll see you at the front door. What's up, Chicken? Al, I've got some wonderful news to tell you. Yeah, chicken, before you start, I got some wonderful news, too. I'm just finishing a great new deal. Painting tuxedos on ducks and selling them for penguins. <laughs> well, you won't have to worry about any more of your deals, Al, honey. I... I just inherited $50,000. Chicken, I told you you shouldn't eat before you go to sleep. <laughs> oh, no, Al. My, my Uncle Henry just died. Uh, that was a lawyer that was just here. Fifty G. Mm -hmm. What a lump of dough. Why, the total rewards out for my friends don't equal that. Well, Al, now that I have money, we can get married, can't we? Married? On the contrary, Chick, we're through. Through? Certainly, Miss Peterson. Miss Peterson? I'm not Miss Peterson. I want to be Mrs. Al. Listen, Chicken, what kind of a guy would I be marrying a dame for her money? I realize that I don't have a job or any money in the bank or any immediate future, but at least I'm a self-made man. Well, I still love you. Well, I love you too, Chick, but it wouldn't work out. Money would change our point of view. We'd get married, you'd want to send the kids to Harvard. I'd want to send them to Macy's, let them work like the old man did. No, Chicken, it's no use. We're on different sides of the track. You'll get in with that fast crowd that... Lives on roulette and baccarat and chuckle. Oh, no, Al. I'll cook whatever you like. Please, chicken. Let us not hurt each other any longer. It's one thing when people say, look at that bum, his wife works. But it hurts when they say, look at that bum, his wife supports. So long, chicken. No, Al, I don't want anything. I want you. I'm satisfied with nothing. <laughs> Sorry, chicken. 
am not the gigolo type, so I think I'll blow. As the French say, tete tete. Oh, Al! Al, come back! Oh, I'm a wealthy widow! <laughs> Again, and she's putting on a scene that would make Napoleon's death seem like a picnic. She's stretched out on the sofa, just sobbing her poor heart out. She has Al's picture in her hand. He's in a sailor suit. <laughs> no, Al was never in the Navy. He borrowed the suit because he heard of a dance where servicemen were admitted free. <laughs> now she's kissing the picture and crying. Drinking water. She's been doing this all afternoon. Honey, what's the idea of drinking so much water? Well, I expect to cry all night, and I don't want to run out of tears. <laughs> oh, sweetie, this is no time for tears. Well, you should rejoice, Irma. You're on the verge of inheriting $50,000. You should be happy. No, Jane, I'll, I'll never be happy without Al. Oh, now, sweetie, don't be so dramatic. For heaven's sakes, with your money, you'll meet other men. Not like Al. He was so sweet. He taught me so many things. Night, we'd sit on a park bench and he'd point out all the stars for me. The North Star. The Little Diaper. <laughs> the Big Diaper. Irma, unless someone hung their wash very high, the word is dipper. <laughs> you repeatedly honest. Other men will bring you happiness. I don't want happiness. What else? Oh, Irma. Oh, the poor kid. I don't... Come in. Hello, Jane. Oh, am I early for Mrs. O'Reilly's party? Oh, gee, Richard, I'm so glad to see you. Irma's in the bedroom just crying her eyes out. I don't know what to do. What's happened? Well, it looks like Irma has inherited $50,000 from an Uncle Henry, and Al has walked out on her. He feels that the money will come between them. Al walking out on money? Yeah. The same Al who stands in front of a vending machine for hours hoping someone's nickel will get stuck? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the story, Richard. She's in the bedroom crying her eyes out. There's only one thing we can do. Get Al back. Exactly. And I have an idea what to tell him. Well, uh, where can you get in touch with him? Oh, yeah. Well, let's see. This is the night he usually brings Irma flowers. But since he's not dating her tonight, there's no sense in trying to reach him at the funeral parlor. <laughs> uh, now, let's see. Where else would... Come in! Oh! Oh, Al, I was just trying to get in touch with you. Just dropped by to return Chicken's picture. Every time I read what she wrote on it, it, it tortures me more than I can stand. Oh. <laughs> Let me see the picture. Dear Al, I love you oh so madly with all my soul and flesh. <laughs> I dream of when you'll marry me and carry me across the fresh. <laughs> P.S. 
Excuse me for not adding hold after thresh, but I had no room and didn't want to write on my head because I just had my hair done. <laughs> Guess who? Game writes like a sonnet. Hate to give her up. Oh, Al, you don't have to give her up. The inheritance doesn't have to come between you. She'll need help now, and you can help her. Me? Sure. She'll need a business manager, and you're the man for the job. Hey, that sounds good. Then no one can say I'm marrying her for the dome. Well, certainly, yeah. Al. Sure. Now, we know that you want to be alone with Irma, so Richard and I will just go on down to Mrs. O'Reilly's party. Come on, Richard. I'm with you, Jane. Chicken. Chicken, it's me, Al. Come out. I want to talk to you. Chicken. Al. Baby. Honey. Oh, Al, you're back. Uh-huh. We can get married. Going to be your business manager. Going to invest your money. How, Al? There's only one man who can tell us. Who else? Who else but... Hello, Joe. <laughs> Al, got a problem. Irma's got 50 Gs, and we want to know what to do with Uh-huh. 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 Mm-hmm. Lay low until everything cools off. <laughs> no, no, Joe. This money ain't hot. It's legitimate. If it's legitimate, you're not interested. Okay, Joe. So long. Chicken, I got an idea. When you get your inheritance, we put it in government bonds. All but $500. What's that for? I'll show you. Take me to Mrs. O'Reilly's party. My arm, chicken. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Everything. Hi. Irma. Oh, Al. Irma and Al together. Oh. That's the way it should be. Oh, please, please, everybody, let me speak. Go oh, ahead, please. Irma, darling. Uh, I've decided that money isn't everything. What is important is friends. You can't take it with you. I'd rather take my friends with me when I go. <laughs> oh, no, you know what I mean. I, that, we know that, what you mean, Irma, and we love you for it. I, I want you to all share my good fortune. So after the party, I want everybody to buy themselves a gift. Hmm? You know, uh, something you wouldn't uh, spend your own money for. Oh, honey, oh, you don't I have insist, to. Just to show you what you all mean to me. Well, Irma, if you insist. <laughs> Miss O'Reilly, you're the first. It's your birthday. What do you want to buy? Well, uh, <laughs> frankly, I've always wanted to <laughs> have my face lifted. <laughs> oh, but I know there isn't enough money. <laughs> and nobody's that strong. <laughs> Hush up, Professor. So I think I'll just buy a little makeup kit. You have no idea how long it takes me to get my face to look the way it does. I just thought you put it in the mix, Master, for five minutes. All right, Professor. Now, what do you want to buy? Me? Well, Emma, darling, you know I'm playing the fiddle at the Gypsy Tea Room, and nothing would make me happier than to have a larger case for my violin. Oh, are you getting a larger violin? No, no. I can't stand the food there, and I want to smuggle in my lunch. <laughs> well, all right, and, and Al, how about you? Well, Chicken, since you insist, I'd like to buy one of them big canes with a folding seat on top. You know that gadget sportsmen sit on when they watch the races? But Al, you don't go to the races. I know, but my feet kill me when I'm waiting for that unemployment check. <laughs> 
Say, that gives me an idea. See you later. Goodbye. All right, Jane. It's your turn. Oh, honey, I don't want anything. Oh, I insist, Jane. Well, all right, sweetie. I'll pick out something for the apartment, huh? Good. And I'll charge it to my account at Gimbel's. Oh, Irma. On behalf of all of us, we want to thank you. But most of all, your Uncle Henry, who made this possible. Oh, you're all welcome. And I'm sure if Uncle Henry knew he was dying for such wonderful people, he'd gladly do it over again. (laughs) Well, we've all done our shopping, and you've never seen such a happy gang. Mrs. O'Reilly has purchased the most extensive makeup kit, everything from lipstick to mud pack. When the professor saw her face, he said, put it back in the mud again. <laughs> Al and the professor got exactly what they wanted, and as for me, I, I bought a small Persian rug. Irma thinks it's very impractical because she says we very seldom entertain Persians. <laughs> but she's happy beyond words, even though her account at Gimbel's has $500 against it. Jane. Yeah, honey? You'll never know how wonderful I feel. I helped all my friends, and, and Al has a job working for me. Yeah. You know, honey, you're what you call a philanthropist. How can you say that, Jane? I was born in Minnesota. All right, sweetie. <laughs> right, Come in. Oh, it's Mr. Silk again from that lawyer's office. Miss Peterson, I'm afraid I have bad news for you. Bad? Yes, you're not the Irma Peterson we were looking for. What? No, the Irma Peterson, who is the real heiress, is a waitress in Milwaukee. We've checked your records. You never had an uncle named Henry. Good day. Irma Peterson. How could you make such a mistake? Don't you realize we now have $500 in bills we have to pay? Well, I didn't know. Well, whatever made you think you had an uncle Henry... Well, I had an aunt named Henrietta, and I thought he could be her husband. <laughs> oh, honey, and we've spent over $500. I, uh, come in. Hello, kids. Chicken, got some news for you. Al, I have some news for you, too. Okay, chicken, ladies first. What's your news? I'm poor again. I, I didn't inherit the money. What? Al, what's wrong? You're white. Chicken, I just came from the unemployment office. Told them I had a job as your business manager, so they took me off the list. (laughs) Al, what does that mean? Chicken, I'm a total failure. I'm the only guy who's unemployed at being unemployed. put her coat and hat on and started out the door with a cake of swan in her hand. So I said, honey, where are you going with our swan? And Irma said, well, gee, Jane, spring is here, so I'm taking our swan up to the pond at Central Park to play with the other swans. (laughs) Well, Jane, you know, Irma has her serious moments about swan soap, too. Like uh, when she washes dishes. 
Why, she says swan is perfect for dishes. And you know, lady, it's true. Why, even the way a cake of swan feels tells you it's a perfect dishwashing soap. Sure, next time you unwrap a cake of swan, just feel the cake with your fingertips. Feel how swan's super-creamed blend makes it differ from other soaps. It feels smoother. Then feel those mild swan suds. They feel richer, creamier. Then you'll know why super-creamed blend protects your hands. Yes, thanks to Swan Super Cream Blend, your hands are left with a smooth, soft, young look. And what's more, those Swan Suds rinse away so completely your dishes don't need wiping. A real time saver. Yes, it's worth looking into, lady, because if you want a soap that protects your hands, a soap that'll get you out of the kitchen in a hurry, you want the soap with the exclusive Super Creamed Blend, Swan Soap. imaginary inheritance, we have an extra mouth to feed. Al shows up promptly, morning, noon, and night for his meals. As for the $500 on Irma's charge account, well, everyone's been nice enough to return their gifts. And Irma, well, she she just won't forget what happened. Honey. Uh, yes, Jane. Honey, ha- have you seen my gold locket? You know, the one I inherited from my grandmother? Oh, I gave it away, Jane. I don't want you to get in the same trouble I did. (laughs) You know, if I ever wanted to give anything away, it'll be my friend Irma. Friend Irma presented by Swan, another fine product of Lieber Brothers Company, was produced and directed by Cy Howard. Tonight's script was written by Cy Howard and Park Levy. Folks, next Monday evening, listen again to... Our friend Swan with my friend Irma. Starring Mary Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane. The part of Professor Kropotkin was played by Hans Conry. Ladies, listen. The shortage of fats and oils is still very serious, and it's worldwide. So please keep on saving every drop of used kitchen fat. Your butcher will pay you for every pound. Frank Bingman speaking. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Lights Out, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.